Welcome to the Negotiation and Conflict Management podcast series. I'm glad I know that now. This series is brought to you by the NAC team. NAC stands for Negotiation and Conflict. NAC is made up of a team of scholars who are passionate about the teaching, research, and practice of negotiation and conflict management and all related topics. We offer you this podcast series to highlight the work of global academic thought leaders who have a knack for negotiating and managing conflict. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today's podcast is hosted by me, Laura Reese. Our podcast guest today is Dr. Jared Curhan, who is the Gordon Kaufman Professor and Associate Professor of Work and Organization Studies at the MIT Sloan School of Management. He is also the faculty director of MIT's Behavioral Research Lab and MIT Sloan's Negotiation for Executives program. With support from the National Science Foundation, Dr. Kerhan pioneered a social psychological approach to the study of subjective value in negotiation, which we'll hear more about today. His current research, which you can learn about from his website at MIT, uses cutting edge technology to explore the dynamics of negotiation and brainstorming. Today's episode focuses on the topic of subjective value in negotiations. Welcome to Dr. Jared Kerhan, today's guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Let's just jump right in. My first question for you is what is subjective value in negotiation and why should we study it? Don't we really care more about objective outcomes like money and how good a deal you got? That's a good question. Um, So anyone who's ever taken a course in negotiation knows the feeling of participating in a negotiation simulation. It can be very realistic, um, but when it's all over, you see a graph and the graph shows you how you performed relative to everyone else in the class. And it's interesting because some people thought they did very well in the negotiation, but then realize according to the graph that they did poorly whereas others thought that they did poorly and then they see the graph and realize they did well. And it's, we always used to think that graph was truth and the feelings that we had when we walk out of a negotiation were unimportant, just biased, fleeting emotions here today, but gone tomorrow. But in fact, My colleagues and I have done a number of longitudinal studies on negotiation, suggesting that how people feel when they walk out, which we call subjective value, matters at least as much, if not more, than the objective outcomes that they reach. Methodologically, then, how should we be studying subjective outcomes? So for a very long time in the negotiation field, there's been a recognition that relationships matter, of course. But it's one thing to understand this anecdotally, and it's another to actually measure it. And that's why my colleagues and I felt it was important to develop and validate a measure of subjective value so that subjective value can be studied with the same level of 
precision that objective value has been studied for decades. I'm really glad that you mentioned you're starting to talk about the outcomes that you found in the research that you've done. I want to talk about one study in particular. You conducted a study about the dark side of subjective value along with William Becker. And this study paints a bit of a more nuanced picture. Could you tell us about that study and what you found? Sure. So to provide a bit of context, in our early longitudinal studies on subjective value, which I alluded to before, we showed that subjective value benefits its objective value in the next negotiation. So in other words, if I feel good about a negotiation that I'm having at time one, it bodes well for how well I will perform in the next negotiation at time two. But in that early research, we always used the same counterpart in every negotiation. This is what we call repeated negotiations, where you negotiate repeatedly with the same counterpart. And subjective value is a relational construct. So it makes sense that in a repeated negotiation, when the relationship is stable over time, that subjective value could be an asset. What we did in the research that you asked about on the dark side of subjective Objective value is we tended we tried to explore negotiations that happen again and again, but each time with a different counterpart. This we call not repeated negotiation, but sequential negotiations, where you negotiate again and again, but each time facing a different counterpart. And in those cases, subjective value can be a spillover from one relationship to another, which unfortunately can be non-diagnostic of the subsequent relationship and lead negotiators astray. So for example, they could have overconfidence or too much pride going into a subsequent negotiation more than is merited. And we actually found that those who feel better in one negotiation do worse in the next negotiation when they switch partners in between the two negotiations. We now know that repeated negotiations with the same counterpart in those contexts Objective value from one negotiation seems to be associated with better objective value in a subsequent negotiation. But in sequential negotiations where you switch counterparts, subjective value from one negotiation can be associated with worse objective value in a subsequent negotiation. And that's why we call it the dark side of subjective value. And that is a lot of challenge for a negotiator to remember and to manage across negotiations. Definitely. Well, speaking of challenges, obviously this is a really important topic for negotiators themselves. But as you were conducting this study, did you find any challenges in the, in the research while you were conducting the study? Absolutely. The negotiation field historically has focused on one-shot interactions, which don't necessarily mirror people's experiences of negotiation in the real world. And when we want to study multi-shot interactions, repeated interactions or sequential negotiations, it's hard to design and conduct studies where people negotiate repeatedly because we have to have the same people coming in over and over to do negotiations. And in this study, we actually had a field study as well as a lab study. And I should say it's incredibly hard to find real world settings where people not only negotiate sequentially, but also where the outcomes can be quantified and 
and where we can also administer measures of subjective value. But I think this kind of study is very important for our field, since in the real world, many of us negotiate within ongoing relationships and within a sequential setting, you can get that sense of how one relationship with one person at time one is affecting another relationship with another person at time two. So while there have been challenges, I think it's been well worth it. Given these challenges and students' ability to experience these different kinds of sequential or non-sequential negotiations and keep subjective value in mind as they move across negotiations of different types for their own negotiations in real life, how do you advise students to leverage and recognize this concept of subjective value to help themselves? Yeah. So I think the first thing is, I think it's very important to recognize that there's a disconnect between objective value and subjective value. Most people assume that the better you do in a negotiation, the worse your counterpart will feel. But there's actually almost no correlation whatsoever in any of our studies between one party's performance and the other party's subjective value. I think this finding is really inspiring to me because it implies that you can have your cake and eat it too. So the factors that influence subjective value are, we say, orthogonal to or independent from the factors that influence objective value, which means doing well in a negotiation does not have to come at the expense of the relationship. So when I'm advising students on how to leverage the concept of subjective value to help their negotiations, the first thing I advise them is to keep in mind that focusing on subjective value doesn't mean that you need to forfeit your objective value. So for example, if you wanted to be more attentive in your negotiations, which we've found is associated with subjective value, that doesn't cost you anything in terms of your objective value but it may indeed enhance your counterpart's subjective value. Or another example is when your counterpart makes a really good point in a negotiation. You may have a tendency to want to shoot it down as quickly as possible, but that practice can kill the subjective value of your counterpart. So sometimes acknowledging the quality of the points that your counterpart makes is a good idea, and it doesn't prevent you from subsequently making your own points in the negotiation. Association. I want to take a step back from this particular paper and the, and the dark side and how we manage that in subjective value and just ask you in general, what finding from your own research on subjective value is, is most interesting to you and, and why? So again, I want to return to this disconnect between objective and subjective value. To me, the finding that objective value and subjective value are only moderately correlated with each other opens up all sorts of potential research opportunities because it suggests that the processes that give rise to objective value, which we've known about for decades, are distinct from the processes that give rise to subjective value. So from my standpoint, I think that this is a really exciting avenue for research because it enables us to start looking for those precursors of subjective value. And once we identify them, it's useful for negotiators because negotiators can realize if there are certain things that I can do 
do to bolster my subjective value, it will not necessarily come at the expense of my own objective value. Are there pieces of advice that you would give students for how to make this balance? I know you you said that you encourage them to think about these as orthogonal and discrete processes and outcomes as well, but any tactical pieces of advice when I'm walking into a negotiation, how do I think of these two things? Right. So first, when you're going into a negotiation, you might give some thought to the importance of the relationships. So if this is a one-shot negotiation, you're never going to see the other person again. It's not that the relationship is not important. There are still many reasons why the relationship is still important, even in determining your own outcome in that one negotiation. After all, people are more likely to want to yield to someone who they like and respect and trust. But even above and beyond that, if I know that I'm going to have a potential future relationship with someone, then I may want to give a great deal of thought to not just what I'm saying in a negotiation, but how I present what I'm presenting in a negotiation. Am I presenting it through the lens of my own interests, or am I presenting it in terms of why it's beneficial for the other side? Roger Fisher and William Urey in their classic book, Getting to Yes, have this piece of advice that we should try to write our counterparts' victory speech for them. And that piece of advice has always really resonated with me as a way to build subjective value, really helping your counterpart be able to go home to their constituents or even their spouse or family and say, hey, I did really well in this negotiation for the following reasons. Making it as easy as possible for your counterpart to do that really enhances their subjective value. So are there still things that we need to know about subjective value in negotiation and why is it important that we know those things? Right. So the negotiation field has been focused on objective value now for decades, and we know quite a lot about how to build objective value. But subjective value is much newer. And now that we know it's orthogonal to objective value and that it matters at least as much as objective value, we're starting to explore how people can build subjective value without undermining their objective value. In other words, what are the specific precursors of subjective value that will make subjective value increase or decrease? And in my mind, there's a huge open area here for future research on this topic. Any previews you want to share about what you think might be important precursors? Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about some of the research that we're currently doing. Because of my interest in identifying these precursors of subjective value, I've become very interested in subtle features of the negotiation process that tend to be underestimated by negotiators, but have surprisingly powerful effects on both objective and subjective value. I call these micro processes because they often operate unconsciously and in some cases can only be measured by means of digital technology, which we do a lot of at MIT. For example, my early work in this area examined paraverbals, like tone of voice and speaking patterns. And we found that we could predict 30% of the variance in objective value by understanding these paraverbals in the first five minutes of a negotiation. More recently, I just published a new paper on the role of silence in negotiation. And I'm now doing work on the importance of facial expressions in negotiation. So I'm very excited about some of these subtle micro processes that often operate out of our awareness or out of our consciousness, but 
actually play a very important role in negotiation. So fascinating. And to link it to all of these other areas as well, from technology to emotions, to nonverbals, to other issues, there's a lot of work to be done. It sounds pretty exciting. I want to give you an opportunity if there are any parting words that you have to say. I think we can all say, I have personally taken away a lot of objective and subjective value from our conversation. Any other (laughs) insights or big tips you want to leave us with? Thanks. I guess I would just say that when we negotiate, it's really important to think of there being not just one, but two types of outcomes in negotiation. There's the objective value, which is the terms of the deal that we reach. And then there's subjective value, which is how the parties feel. I think it's if we all remember that there's not one, but two kinds of outcomes, then it can be going a long way toward enhancing the quality of our negotiation outcomes, not just today, but also for the future relationship. Such important research and advice. Thanks so much to Jared Curhan. What we learned today is that objective value is not the only thing that matters in negotiation how we feel at the end of that negotiation and how our counterpart feels, that is the subjective value, can influence our future performance. We've learned you can actually build subjective value in your negotiations without sacrificing your own outcomes. And as our series name states, I'm glad I know that now. Once more, I'm Laura Reese, and on behalf of all of us, we thank our guest, Dr. Jared Curhan from the MIT Sloan School of Management. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. On behalf of our NAC team, Deborah Sai, Michael Gross, Jennifer Parlamis, Laura Reese, and Ming Hong Sai, thank you for listening. For more information about this and every episode, you can check out the podcast notes on the NAC website. There you can find additional sources and links to material cited in each episode. Please tell a friend about our podcast, and we hope you will join us next time for another fascinating discussion about a topic you'll be glad to know about.